welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Fruitfulness on the Frontline series. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about how Paul thanks God for evidence of the growth of the gospel in the lives of the Colossian believers, seen in their faith, hope and love. And the language of bearing fruit and growing in verse 6, alludes to God's command to the first humans to be fruitful and increase in number in Genesis. But here in Colossians, that original mandate to be fruitful is finally fulfilled in the growth of the gospel and in the people who have been recreated in Christ. So we know from John's gospel, chapter 15, that bearing of fruit comes by abiding in Jesus and walking in the Spirit, Or in other words, by allowing Jesus to dwell and to be the power and the guiding force in our spirit, in our hearts and minds. To abide in Jesus is a very intentional lifestyle. It means to live in such a way that we are always to be found in him, to walk hand in hand with him, as uh, Alison has just prayed, and to live according to his word. So the title of today is Ministering Grace and Love. And as we do that in our everyday lifestyle, it just means to live in such a way that we are always found in him. And um, it it just flows out of the grace and the love that we have received from God. We love because he first loved us. Um, And ministering is a kind of churchy word, um, but in this context, it's a little bit, think of nursing, where somebody attends to or cares for someone's needs. And um, that's all we're doing when we minister in grace and love. One of our biggest needs is to be loved. And we can offer that in a million different ways. Just let it overflow out of the love God is lavishing upon you. So there's many ways to do this. Not only practical care and kindness and uh, for those who need it, but also how we respond in difficult or even in just ordinary situations. How are we distinctive? How do we engage with those on our front line? The other regulars in the cafe or the new parent at the school gate or how we carry on our work as we've talked about in recent weeks. So the reference to the gospel bearing fruit throughout the world and among the Colossians provides in this passage two main trains trains of thought. There's people growth and there is gospel growth and these two are thoroughly intertwined. Yeah, so first just to give a little bit of a background to the Bible passage that Mark so beautifully read. So the church in Colossae that Paul was writing to was started by one of Paul's disciples. Um, Epaphras, um, he was somebody who had heard about Jesus from Paul, and then he went on to share the good news with others. And that reminded me a little bit of when Tom Yakameni, who used to be the lead minister here, told me everything he knew about um, Jesus and the gospel and discipled me, I guess you could say, And then I went on to go to Hayward Village and plant a church there. So it's kind of like a circle, going in a circle like that. And then Paul came on the Alpha, um, and then he's doing a lot of work, and um, God's blessing so many people through him. So it's it's kind of a never-ending circle, really. So Paul sent this letter to people that he had never met, and they didn't know him personally, but they knew his reputation, and they respected his authority. He was not the founder of this new church in Colossae, where he sent the letter, but Epaphras started this church there after he was converted by Paul. So Paul was very much writing to encourage this new church, 
And he was also praying for it, just as Tom prayed for Hayward Village, and I'm sure he continues to do. And it shows that Paul had such a heart for this church, and he really wanted to stay connected and to encourage them all. He understood that it's all about love, and it doesn't matter how good a Christian you are and how much you know the Bible if you don't have love. It's all for nothing, really. And Paul was encouraging the church that they were doing a good job in the area of faith and love. And he was giving thanks for that. He was pointing out that when they showed love for all God's people, and that's everyone, including the difficult people, then they were showing love for God. It's like if you rushed to church here this morning to worship God, but you tripped over a homeless person and ignored their plea for help. God would call you a hypocrite. Um, but Matthew 25, verse 7, 37 onwards, talks about whatever you did for the least of these, you did or failed to do for me. So when we ignore somebody in distress, it's as good as, in, as ignoring God's personal distress. Picture Jesus sitting in front of you as that homeless person looking back at you. The phrase, least of these, it doesn't mean that some people are not worth as much to God because we're all made in God's image and we're all equal. What he means is, by the least, he means hungry, sick, thirsty, in prison, people who've got less good fortune. I was in London last weekend watching Les Mis. I don't know if anyone's seen it. Anyone seen it? Yeah. Um, I was there with my son for his birthday weekend, and um, it's a bit of a God incident because this is all about grace and love, this talk, and the whole of Les Mis is about grace and love. And um, the story is set in 19th century France, all about people in poverty being mistreated. And in the story, a bishop shows grace and love to a prisoner on parole who stole something because he was desperate. Um, the prisoner finds it very hard at first to accept this grace and love. Um, but when he does, it does bring him closer to God and he's transformed from a hardened criminal to a philanthropist who wants to help others and who has love in his own heart. One review of Les Mis that I read says, it talks about loving God and loving those who God has placed in our lives as the closest thing to seeing God that we can have this side of eternity. It's so powerful. Anyway, quite ironically, as we approached the Sundime Theatre, which is where Les Mis is showing in the West End, we were walking past a homeless person in the theatre doorway and there was quite a lot of people, it was a very busy queue, um, and people were just literally stepping over the homeless person. And I was just thinking it was quite ironic, really, because um, obviously these people were all going to see this um, play all about overcoming poverty and kind of ignoring the homeless person in the doorway. So the irony was not lost on me there. Um, but I was proud when my son stepped in to provide assistance. And I'm sure many people, we don't always, you know, um, have the time or the resources, and it's not always easy. But... Um, so I was thinking, what does it look like to be fruitful in our lives and on our front lines? To show grace and love to others. I think a good starting point is unconditional love. It is very countercultural, just like it was in this um, play. So when we were giving out free hot chocolate on Halloween at Hayward Village, and this week we were giving out coffee for commuters um, free, just outside here all week, people were very surprised and they were quite nervous about accepting it because they weren't used to it. And there are many ways that we can show love. We can take the initiative and we can be proactive. For example, maybe offer somebody a lift who is nervous to drive in the dark. Bring someone's bin in on bin day when you're already bringing your own in anyway. 
Maybe sweep the leaves from your neighbours as well as your own drive. Maybe offer somebody a meal or a coffee, or let somebody stay at your house if they need a place to stay. Or mow somebody's grass. Probably not this time of year so much. <laughs> but it doesn't even have to be anything as big as those, and they're not really big things, but you can just start very small. Just smile at people when you're out and about. Say, how are you? As you go about your day. But the key is to really listen to the reply. And it's called active listening. And Jesus was brilliant at it. And Andy Pierce, somewhere in here, there he is. He is very good at this. And he was telling me a story of how he sat next to a stranger on a train. I hope I've got this right. He asked these three simple words, how are you? It ended in a 20-minute conversation that was very meaningful to this person. So meaningful that they missed a call and said, I can't take your call. I'm really having a great discussion. Um, three simple words. How are you? Try it. It really works. You can be proactive and intentional and pray for God to show you an opportunity where you can help. Noticing and appreciating people as you go about your day, just nodding and smiling and asking people how they are. People love to be noticed and acknowledged. And showing grace and love involves doing something for others that does cost us either in time or money or resources or effort. Extending grace is not convenient. It wasn't convenient for Nehemiah to drop everything and rebuild Jerusalem and to leave the lovely comfort of his palace. And Jesus didn't have to heal Simon Peter's mother, or mother-in-law actually, or to raise Lazarus from the dead, or to make breakfast for all his fishermen friends. And of course, showing grace and love also means being prepared to forgive people. And this isn't easy. I love that story. It's one of my favourite stories, the hot breakfast on the beach. The creator of the universe, the king of kings, has just given up his very life for us to be mm -hmm. reconciled to God. He doesn't have to cook fish to serve the tired disciples after a night's fishing, but he chooses to. It's yeah. an act of grace. And it's like the first ever men's breakfast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's brilliant. And we've carried on that tradition, yeah. I bet they don't eat fish. <laughs> but that, that one uh, illustration really encapsulates the four elements of ministering with grace and love. Mm. Jesus didn't wait for the disciples to return to shore and say they were hungry. He took the initiative. And he recognised the power of small, small, simple, mundane acts, such as serving hot breakfast. And in that act, the disciples saw his love and care for them. And it wasn't a convenient thing to do. In fact, Jesus could have chosen to produce a, a miraculous breakfast. But grace and love were more abundantly evident. They were more shown by his doing the work. And we know that Jesus prayed about everything. So the four elements of ministering in grace and love are to take the initiative, to recognise the power of small, accept it may be costly or inconvenient, and pray always. And breakfast on the beach is a small act of grace compared to the almighty act of grace of taking our punishment for us on the cross. He didn't need to do that, but for love, he chose to. It was free to us, and yet so costly and certainly not convenient to him. God doesn't need to forgive each time we go wrong, but he is abundantly full of grace. So he forgives and simply asks for our own sakes that we show grace in forgiving others too. And that's where the growth of the gospel comes in. We live hand in hand with Jesus, and he will guide our actions to speak the gospel, 
and our lives to commend the truth of the gospel in a way that people can see is real and understandable. Ministering grace and love has an impact on gospel growth as well as on our own. We see the Colossians' growth in faith, love and hope is connected to the spread of the gospel. And the gospel is simply the message of what God has done in Christ to restore the world. And that gospel is bearing fruit and growing all over the world. So in the passage, Paul and Timothy are encouraging the Colossians by letting them know that they thank God for them and pray for their growth in their faith. And by saying that the gospel that they learned from Epaphras is also being shared by many others around the world, and this is how the gospel grows, hopefully we, like the Colossians, will take this and be encouraged to join the ranks of those who sow kingdom seeds and share the gospel so that it continues to grow. Before the gospel can grow and bear fruit in our lives, it must be heard and understood. So how do the people get to hear the gospel? Well, it's through faithful messengers of the gospel. And if you're keen to share the good news of Jesus, it is worth practicing if it's something that you haven't done before but you want to go at doing. Practice in your life groups or your prayer triplets. Just tell the story of what Jesus has done in your own life. Keep your testimony personal and it makes it much easier. For some people, what is it that gets in the way of freely mentioning Jesus in our conversations? Is it a fear of not getting it right or of being rejected for saying it at all? Or do we just miss opportunities? If it is difficult for you but you want to do it, then it is worth asking yourself why. Because often naming the specific fear can take the power away from it. But please do hear me on this, that Jesus' yoke is light and not a burden. If the thought of sharing the gospel is a real burden to you, then just release yourselves completely from that. Fruitfulness will come simply by ministering grace and love on your front line when you do it in the name of Jesus. So as we just said in the Gospels, Jesus talks about giving a cup of water to someone in his name. He has set a bar that we can all achieve. We can all manage a cup of water. We can all manage a prayer or a how are you. And um, Laura is my little example over there. Thank you, Laura. Uh, always such a delight. Um, she was seeking for a church and she saw one of our previous Coffee for Commuters. And, um, and it just got her attention, a simple cup of coffee. And I love that Laura has gone full circle. She's joined the church, attended Alpha, come to faith, and earlier this year was baptised. It was wonderful. And then this week, saw, uh, Laura has been serving those coffees just the same as and she received one or saw it being served. Mm. So she's gone full circle. And um, just thank you, Laura, that you've done it with such a passion and such a most amazing smile that I know you will be a great fisher of people. And thank you for that inspiration. So a simple cup of coffee or water given with love and grace on your front line, when committed into God's hands through prayer, can transform a life. And these things can happen in God's economy. So fruitfulness will come simply by ministering grace and love on your front line in Jesus' name. It will plant seeds that make a difference and God will see to the results. So whether we share the gospel directly or witness it in other ways, the grace and love we show in our lives will prove the authenticity of our beliefs. So each act of kindness you take on your front line will be a seed planted. It will lead to growth and fruitfulness and that will be either the spread of the gospel or the transformation of people around us.
Thank you, yes. So how can we show God's grace and love in action on our front lines this week and show qualities of Jesus every day as we go about our business? So the four things just to reiterate are to take the initiative and take small steps. Recognise that it won't always be convenient and most importantly to pray for God's help. Identifying who we can help, giving us the patience, the resources, the time, etc. as well. So I encourage you all now to think about how you can bless somebody this week without wanting anything in return and to work towards doing this as a daily way of being, and I'm sure many of you do already. So we need to pray for help with this, for God to point out people to us and things we can do, and also to ask for help in showing his love and grace. So let's pray. Lord, help us to be fruitful and to show your grace and love in action every day. And point out to us someone we can help in however small a way today. Help us to smile more and ask people how they are, but really care to wait for the answer. And to connect with people in meaningful ways. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and your feet and your voice as we go about our lives and live them for you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at Castlechurch.org.